I Hurt is a podcast for all young people who have been wounded in their heart, in their relationship with God, in their body or in reputation. I Hurt is for those who daily, often silently, cry, I hurt, but feel unheard. You aren't. I Hurt stands on the truth that Jesus Christ loves you and God your Father grieves deeply over what has been done or said to or about you. I Hurt is about God first, then about us. We believe God too cries, I hurt. Not only over the things done to us, but he equally hurts over the things done by us that hurt others and hurt him. Welcome to I Hurt. I'm your host, Brad Ringer, and I have a couple special ladies with me tonight. First of all, my cohort in crime here, Jody, who's with me every week. Hi. And we're going to introduce another guest to you in just a second. But uh, I'm going to hold up something, Jody, that I know you love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know what it is. And yep. Stacy, I know you love it too. <laughs> it's Cadbury. Cadbury. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, Stacy used to go on missions trips with us, and we would go to Birmingham, England, where the Cadbury factory was. Oh, yes. And we would always roll down the window when we drove by the factory and everybody would stick their heads out the window and go, Cadbury factory! <laughs> you know, the best thing about that place is that when you go in, you go around, they just give out free chocolate the whole way around. Did you go in? It smells so yeah. amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. So it is It is addicting. Anyway, but uh, Jody, of course, is from England. And our guest tonight is Stacy, And Stacy. Uh, we used to take missions trips to England. And did you go on five? No, like nine. Nine? <laughs> nine. Okay, right. The only person that's been on more missions trips we figured out <laughs> than you was Bonnie. And that's because yeah, that I was think my so. daughter, Bonnie. Because there was a gap in um, the time between when I got married and when I went back again. Yes. That so, would be uh, the but year. anyway, yep. Stacy absolutely loves England. She always has. Um, you know, when she was a teenager, I mean, she ate England, slept England, breathed England, dressed England. <laughs> How do you dress England? <laughs> I bought English national team apparel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had Doc Martens from, with flowers on them. I think we got the flower oh, Doc Martens from those. the store in London. We, I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> And she could quote any line from any Monty Python movie. And um, when we would go to England, we would create little videos as like mementos. And so uh, what was it? The Art of Not Being Seen, I think, was one of them. Oh, the Value of Not Being Seen. The yeah. Value of Not Being Seen. <laughs> we did that with Ben Ralph. Yes. And <laughs> we had a thing called the uh, Seek Poop Bridge. I don't know if you remember that one or not. <laughs> I got to explain that one probably, but we were at this place called the Red Hill Christian Center and there was a Sikh compound up on the hill. And when it rained, their sewage would flow down into Red Hill and there was a little bridge. So we had to actually build on this bridge, a dam to keep the sewage from coming down into the Christian camp. Well, we turned it into a skit and into a video. We probably even came up with some songs about it, but we called it the Sikh poop bridge. And I still remember you, Stacy, being on the bridge with me, us trying to get through the takes. And we're oh, just, we, we couldn't stop laughing. We couldn't stop laughing. So the, the video doesn't make any sense at all. But anyway, <laughs> we're really digressing here. So, but anyway, I, you know, when when I got to know Stacy, she was a teenager. And I can honestly say of all the kids I ever had in any of the youth groups I had, Stacy was by far my favorite. Okay. For many reasons. She was energetic. She was always there. She was musical. She was athletic. She was funny. You were not shy. You loved the Lord. And like we would walk into a park. She didn't have any problem walking up and talking to people. She really had this very vivacious, deep, loving faith. Uh, you ran the own, you ran your own youth group, I think, too, didn't you? I did, yeah. After I moved to Norfolk. I landed in a church that had no program for teens. And so I got one together and actually it was um, Atkins 
that we organized with a group of English people to do a trip to Virginia after that. Wow. That's cool. So you brought English students. Yeah, brought English people there. over to over here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we could talk about England all night, but um <laughs> one of the things about Stacy is um you faced a lot of hurt in your life. Um I think, you know, your high school experience and up through those years, your life was pretty good, pretty cool. I mean, right? It was you had a great family and church and mm -hmm. activities and things like that. But uh, you hit a period of your life at a relatively young age that was probably about the deepest hurt that anyone could ever face. And uh, I was just wondering if you could just, uh, for our listeners, recount that story of that great loss. The beginning of that. Yeah. Um, when I was, I started uh, dating this boy when I was about, I think I was 17. I think we were juniors. And um, he had followed me around for a while <laughs> it was really annoying to me at first um but after a while he grew on me and uh, we got to be very close friends um we got married really young right out of high school he had joined the navy um he was 20 and i was 21 and um we you know finished up school and uh loaded up our stuff in the back of a 93 Mustang and drove down to Virginia uh, he, where he was going to be stationed at Norfolk Naval Base and that's how we started <laughs> um it got you know because I mean happen in the military and then things get pretty serious pretty quickly as far as like adulting um he was gone on deployments frequently um uh, it was difficult and lonely because you know I just picked up and gone to a new place I feel like I was on the phone with my mom or my best friend pretty much every day um and my phone bill was big back in the days <laughs> where you had to pay by the minute to talk on the phone um and then I'm pretty sure that everyone old enough to anyway remembers uh what they were doing on 9-11 where they were when that happened and I was um, in a politics class in college and it was still early in the morning and he came and knocked on the door of my school of my classroom I don't know how he had figured out where I was he'd gone to the main office or whatever and they found me and he came and knocked on the door of my classroom and said can I have my wife back I think I need to deploy like now so he came to ask me if I could get out of the class and we were sitting there watching the news in the class we had wow. abandoned the class and we were sitting there watching the towers smoking um so it turned out he didn't have to leave right that second but he left shortly after the whole battle group was already scheduled to leave but they left early um due to that so um that battle group left and it was um November the following month um that you know you watch the shows or whatever and the officers come to your door <laughs> and you and like you know why they're there um that's what it felt like it wasn't exactly like that because I was taking a nap and my roommate came and woke me up and she was like there's officers here Stacy and that was when they told me that he was missing they didn't say oh he's you know he's dead they're like they're searching for him but he's missing you know they didn't have a whole lot of the story um and they pieced it we pieced it together uh, probably it took me actually probably years to piece it together because they weren't upfront with me about what had gone wrong mm. um they didn't find him for three days they found him three days later um, I don't know you you're it's hard to not like you're scared and then you're like no he's strong they'll find him and then you're like um no it's been too long and all of my best friends were on that ship with him and some of them were rescue swimmers so it was my closest friends who were like 
out in the water looking for him and up on the deck and up in the up the towers you know out looking for him um and then when they finally found him they were like you don't want to see him they closed him up in a casket and shipped him back from Bahrain back here and um you know <laughs> like the world was gonna end <laughs> that's what it felt like at the time that that no amount of nothing that anyone could say what do you say like he was so young you know he was just a kid yeah um you're not supposed to I was very close with his family too. You're not supposed to bury your children. So, you know, to be there in that grief with his parents also. Mm -hmm. um, my grandfather who served in the Navy himself and also, you know, in the Korean War um, saw losses there. He was beside himself. So then I was also living his old grief with him. It was just, you know, how do you fix this? People sit around, you know, my family's like this, they want to fix something. So it happened, something's gone wrong, like what can, it, and there's nothing you can do. And there's yeah. nothing you can do. And everyone just was um, living with it for that, that, I don't even know how to describe it. It was the saddest, the saddest thing. And it, was more difficult I think because I knew that I was not being told the truth about mm. what was happening there was a level of incompetence um surrounding his death there was a level of um just lying like I think um he was on what what you would call they they called it a VBSS team as visit board search and seizure so they would go um, on behalf of NATO and they're searching other ships for contraband, Taliban, like people trying to escape other countries. So they have this um, Iraqi vessel that had been like loaded up with oil brain and then and, and they had oil, um, welded these extra compartments to the side so they could fit even more stuff on there. <laughs> and it was not a seaworthy ship. So they're over there like inspecting the ship and then a storm came up and the ship went down and that's how it happened. And after what um, I got stories of like, oh, Ben was last seen giving his life jacket to somebody else who was this or that. And like, you know, people tried to give me, I, I think my friends weren't, I don't, I think maybe they made some of that stuff up to try and make me feel better. I don't, I don't know mm -hmm. if they all got together and said, what can we tell her <laughs> because we don't know what to tell her or if that like order actually came from on high like you need to like find a way to make this you know seem a little bit better because um as far as I could tell there it was nothing but people not paying attention yeah and so yeah the, in, the, the, your grief was compounded by all the misinformation by the absolute um on like it was totally unnecessary in my mm. mind completely yeah. unnecessary it was frivolity and 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 the captain was asleep while he had people on other ship his his crew members on a foreign ship in a storm and i just like found the whole thing to be you know something that took me a almost a year to get the JAG report. They didn't want to send, I had to call senators and, <laughs> you know, to, wow. to get, so thus begins my deep and abiding distrust of <laughs> the government. <laughs> so so Stace, I remember, you know, the, the viewing and the funerals and all those kind of things. And I, I was with you last time and I reminded you that uh, of a statement that you said to me, um, I remember very vividly, you were sitting out in back of the uh, funeral home having a cigarette. And I walked up and I sat down next to you and you apologized for having a cigarette. And I said, <laughs> I said you really think that's the thing I'm thinking about right now? But after that, I said, I said, how are you doing with the Lord? 
and you said something along the lines, Brad, I still believe in him, but it's awful hard because I feel like I've been stabbed in my back by my best friend. Okay. I don't yeah, know if you remember, remember saying that. that. Yep. Um, is that how you felt? Is yeah, that... for sure. Yeah. And yeah, so you trust, yeah. you know, like, like Ben was my best friend. I was very close to God. I've like, you trust him. Yeah. With the people that you love and your life and, you know, you go out on a limb and you do all this stuff, you give up your time and your treasure and, and that's what happens. But, yeah. um, I would say that that, I understand why that's what I was experiencing at the time. In retrospect, that was a very small-minded um, approach. But it was a real yeah. one. Like that's yeah, what a sure. lot of people feel yeah, when they're sure. going through. Like, yeah, well, God, where are you? You said you said I could trust you, and you said you would be there for me, and now look where I am. And you were away from home. Your support system wasn't there. All this misinformation, you know, <laughs> you didn't even know for a few days what was going on. You still, even after yeah. time, didn't completely know. But as you look back on it now, you know, how did that uh, affect your relationship with God and your relationship with other people? Um, Jody, you were mentioning before, remember, she was wanted to ask some of our guests, did people say stupid things to you or did people so try many to provide... stupid things? Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> any of them? Oh yeah. I loved one that I got. Oh, like, well, you know, the Lord never gives us more than he can, more than we can handle. He promises. And I about lost it because I was like, no, that is about temptation. Mm. Yeah. He gives us more mm -hmm. than we can handle all the time. It's happening. <laughs> right yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> Yeah, and it was more than you could bear. It was you, what? I'm it was more than you could bear. At the time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, how long did it take, Stace, for you to to start moving forward out of that grief? I mean, I walked through that part of that with you, but, you know, I wasn't there because you were moving around. There was all the circumstances around it. What did the, the weeks and months after that look like? Oh, you like? stole my question. You want to ask it? That was exactly the same thing I was thinking. Like, what did it look like those days? And even the year, like the next year ahead, what did the grief look like? Um, I kind of dropped off of like responsible adulting. <laughs> I, I took his life insurance money. I bought a car and I lived out of my trunk for probably a year. And I drove around and stayed with friends. I went up and down the coast multiple times. Um, everybody that was there on the ship with him, we were very good friends. I, you know, went around to all of their places in various states because, you know, nobody actually is from Virginia when you're there. So, you know, then you find yourself in Des Moines and New Jersey and, you know, who knows. But that's how I dealt with it. And, um, and I was fortunate to be able to do that because of that life insurance money. Um, and that's, and I did, that's actually one of the things that I did with that was that um, trip for the English kids to, to come here because I mm -hmm. probably funded that 50% myself mm -hmm. um, and thought that he would be happy about it, you know? Yeah. So I just went ahead and did it. Um, and then I went back to school because, you know, in, I think there was kind of a narrative then that was wrong for me and I shouldn't have done it but like you know like there's this like if you don't go to school you'll never go and I was like I had one I had one more year of college and I was afraid that if I didn't go back I just wouldn't finish um and so I went back and I shouldn't have done that mm -hmm. um I was not done dealing <laughs> and um I I did that and I didn't do very well. <laughs> mm. 
you were lost. Yeah, I pushed through. I picked like I picked one thing, like I picked my thesis that I was finishing it. And I and I like was laser focused on that one thing to the detriment of all of my other classes. And I think it was just about like controlling something. Yeah. 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 And isn't that a way that a lot of people have to try to deal with tremendous hurt and loss is by trying to find areas of their life that they control and it probably ultimately proves to you though you can't can really control anything right. so i mean that, yeah rearranging the furniture just wasn't going to do it that time <laughs> no and you know you know i appreciate you stace because you know one of the things that you've had to fight through this this you know sometimes christians give the impression that you know well i went through this and i got over it you know but you had a long battle and you had to fight really hard, you know, with um, thoughts and with the grief and with the pain. You had other losses that came later that were on top of that. Um, you know, what what kept you going? I mean, what kept that, you know, you're a fighter. You know, that's one of the things I loved about you as a teenager. You always had that <laughs> that that attitude. Where did that come from? What kept you going? Why didn't you just cash it in? I don't know, honestly, Brad, because like when that first happened with, with Ben, I had a lot of conversations with myself. Like, do I believe this? Cause I believe it. Or do I believe this? Because this is what I've been taught all this time. Like, you know, am I having a crisis right now? Or am I, do I, you know, am I good? Am I sound? Me and God, we're okay. And I think I would have been like still okay after that if other things hadn't happened after yeah. that <laughs> you know so then once you like once there's a bunch of things happen like you know you it, it gets hard not it's hard not to get jaded mm -hmm. after a while and once you get jaded you know I think by for a very large portion of the time in between when Ben died and probably right up until about um, two years ago, maybe three years ago, but maybe two, I don't know, some, it, not that long in the distant past, like my faith was less about faith and more about discipline. Mm -hmm. Just be like, just of just standing my ground and just being like, nope, I believe that. And I wasn't going to church for a lot of that time. I wasn't you know, seeking out my Christian friends for a lot of that time. I wasn't in my Bible. I wasn't um, focused on it. I think my church was my farm. It was the soil. It was being outside. That was very healing for me. But um, uh, I think that I didn't really get through it. <laughs> I was, I was, I was being stubborn about what I had said that I believed all my life yeah and it's you know as i think about that stubbornness you know god's grace is he allows you to be stubborn he didn't forsake you or write you off and i think deep down inside you knew that but you know in those subsequent years we talk occasionally and everything like that and i'd always kind of just get this undercurrent that brad i still believe in god but you didn't really want to get in a discussion about it. You weren't in a place where you wanted to. And it was almost like, because you weren't in a position of strength or you weren't doing well, you know, coming back to, to me, who was a person who was at you when you were at vibrant Christian. <laughs> I mean, was that, is that how you felt? Was it a little bit, you just yeah, didn't really want I to think, talk? I think, I think I had about 10 solid years of like, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, and I can't, I, I can't actually describe it any better than that. Like, yeah, that he said it right. <laughs> you, I believe, help my unbelief. The word that comes to my mind as you've been talking is like, what specific, if there were any, what specific doubts did you have about who God says He is in that time? Like, what were the what were the thoughts that you had that you were stubborn about ignoring and rebuking? Like, what were the doubts and the lies that were creeping in about God's character. I don't know. I just, I think it was like, I was struggling to under feel like I understood 
like his very nature, I guess. Um, you need to go back and read the Old Testament and be like, nope, it's not always like <laughs> New Testament sunshine and roses and we all love each other. There's lots of other messy stuff going on here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was just like, this isn't working. Like nothing's working. And yeah. so I'm just going to push on. Was there was there tension, Stace, within your family through all of this? I'm sure there was, but I mean, was there was it hard to even be a daughter and a sister during that time? I mean, it seems like you no, just had my to be family is amazingly wonderful. I think probably the 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 blow, like I don't want to say a nail in the coffin because the coffin's still open, but like the the biggest blow in the middle there was. Um, when my husband at the time halfway through our marriage decided that he was going to be an atheist and he no longer believed in marriage as an institution. And he said this openly to anyone who wanted to talk about it yeah. <laughs> while we were still married. And so in a, in a place where like you, you know, that person's supposed to be your closest person, like diverging from you that massively, you know, you're just like, like now I'm fighting the person who's, you know, supposed to be yeah. on my side. And, and, um, so that was a, a huge, like, I want to say like maybe a lever of apathy. Like when he, when, when that happened, that was just like, okay, I'm just in survival mode now. Mm. Just was it lonely? But a long time in survival mode. Yeah. yeah. Very was lonely. It, yeah. yeah. How would you de- how would you describe the loneliness? I mean, was it lonely? Like, if you were at a movie, you were lonely. If you were I, out eating, you were lonely. Were there ever places you could escape that loneliness, or was it just always there? Like a couple people who would like make me feel sane because you like a lot of time. It's hard to stick to your guns when. Yeah. <laughs> um. I still find that that's happening (laughs) when um, people are against you and you like feel like, like this is wrong. Like this is wrong. I don't, I don't want to be part of this, you know? Um, And that ultimately was the end of that marriage. It's more complicated than that, but um, you know, when when you have a very strong sense of right and wrong, and the people around you are just like frittering through life and watching TV and like you know not paying attention to the things around them, um, at least that's how I felt. I felt like I was seeing all this stuff and you know, just about life in general and the world and the people around me just like didn't care about, it's like the walking dead, I guess, you know, you're like, (laughs) there's all these zombies and then there's you and you're just like, does anyone care that all this stuff is happening? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The script, I want to get the Bible there, Jody. Uh, I want to read a couple of verses because in each podcast, we usually read a couple of scriptures. And this one is on the passage of scripture where Jesus talked about, if you forgive, you're forgiven. But if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. So do you just want to read that, Jody? And then what I want to give you time to think about, Stacey, is, is have you forgiven, Ben? Have you forgiven people who said stupid things? Have you forgiven the people in your life or are you in process? So go ahead and read it, and then we'll come back to the question. Okay. Matthew 6. Uh, 14 to 15 for if you forgive others their sins your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins neither will your father forgive your sins a lot of times in grief people struggle with forgiving the person that left them or the people that have been involved did you ever have to go through that stace yeah um i think i'm i mean maybe that's one thing that time does do um, I don't really blame anybody. Um, I don't blame Ben. I understand why he wanted to be on that team. He was bored. He needed something to do. <laughs> um, I don't know what I would have done if I was on the ship 
at the time and I had anything to say about anything. I don't know. Um, I don't blame my ex-husband for the things that led to his choices in his life because not all of that was his fault. Uh, I mean, I've, I think I've come to, I've, I, many instances, events and difficulties later, I, I don't, I, I've really come to see all of those events um, in much more of a, a terms of long, long term, long game, and um, much more relevant to a spiritual battle. Um, and that, and in that sense, there's nothing to forgive. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you, you hear the verses of, oh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You can hardly give that the credence it deserves when you're young. I think mm. it's almost impossible. And in, in retrospect, that's how I feel in retrospect. If I had known what I know now when Ben had died, you know, what what I would have, you know, you said, <laughs> well, you know, don't get mad, steal yourself because it's only just beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is when people talk about pain, especially, you know, the old hymn says like when sea billows roll, like when it's pain after pain after pain, mm -hmm. there are spiritual components in that. And I go back to who Stacy was when she was like 16 or whatever. I mean, you were just on fire for God in every area of your life. And I always looked at you as one of those just like people that God could do so many things through. And you just wonder if the enemy thought the same thing and that there was. I, definitely yeah. Did you agree? <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's how I feel now. That's what I in retrospect, I think I've, you know, like if you're when there's a, a battle happening, some people become casualties of it. Some people um, can't bear to think about it anymore and they, you know, can't continue mentally. Some people become injured and are removed from the fight. Others get injured and they patch them up and they throw them back out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it because, you know, Stace, there's so many people listening, you know, that have all different kinds of hurt, not just the loss of a loved one, but whatever the, the cause of the hurt is. And they, they fail to realize it is a warfare, you know, and like you said, some people get seriously wounded where it takes a long time to recover and they shouldn't feel bad about taking a long time to recover. But, you know, sometimes you do, you know, mm -hmm. and other people have been set aside for a short period of time other people get discouraged with the fight and quit mm -hmm. you know but the reality of it is is there were spiritual things at work as well as things in the material world that stacy had to process as this young bride and this young believer and you know nobody at your age stace would have known how to handle that well i don't care when that ha it could have happened to you no. after 15 years of marriage it would have been just as deep of a crisis. It just would have, you probably would have handled it differently. Well, and the character of God isn't someone to look at you at that age and be like, come on, get up. Come mm -hmm. on, step up, carry on, get get on with it. <laughs> like, that's just not God's nature. He he was in it with you. And I think if Jesus was there right in person with you, he would have just sat and put his arm around you. Because what could he, if he couldn't, if people, people couldn't have said anything to help you. And all Jesus could say to you was, I'm here. Well, you know, it was funny because I go back to the the night of the funeral and I went back and Stacy was sitting on like a bench or whatever. And this girl's strong. I mean, physically strong, right? Stacy, you've always kind of proud prided <laughs> yourself. And I remember very vividly, I came up, I didn't have anything to say. And I put my arm around you and you just fell on me. And you were like, you were weightless. It was the only word I could describe. And for me to sit there and go to take this girl, I mean, she was an athlete, she was tough, she was physical, she persevered in all those things. And to be brought to a point of like, just complete weakness. Exhaustion. Exhaustion, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but you know, I've always been of the persuasion 
that the people that God wants to use in the most significant way have to go through brokenness. They just have to. Without brokenness, you're very self-righteous, you know, and you talked about those people who came up and, you know, they say stupid things at funerals and things like that. They're well-meaning, but they're really self-righteous because they're speaking into a hurtful situation in which they cannot relate or identify. So they just throw a, a, a truth at it. And that actually can end up wounding instead of and helping. The, <laughs> and the, that was um, that was one of the hardest things, actually, now that you say that, is it was going back to school and being like 21 years old and having the market completely cornered on senior transferred widows, you know? <laughs> I'm like, who are my friends here? Who yeah. understands this? Nobody, right? Nobody, yeah. yeah. It was little me. <laughs> yeah, and so you become, you know, at age 21, like you said, like a subgroup in culture mm -hmm. that just doesn't fit in anywhere. Mm. Well, all right, well, <laughs> Recently, it seems like you've had like a little bit of a renaissance in your faith and just in your heart. You know, I know you got a great husband now and the farm you live on, kids, you know, that you love and everything like that. Are, do you kind of sense like there's a little bit of a renaissance spiritually that maybe there's a new chapter of your life that's coming now, a new chapter? Yeah, of for sure. Yeah. And I, I would say that that was kind of a deliberate decision because, um, uh, I won't get into the reason um, here because that's a totally different topic, but um, something was happening in um, my life that made me very fearful. And I was in my car driving somewhere and I just like looked out over the fields and just said, God, you help me with this and I'm back in the fight. Wow. Help me with this, and I'm in. Back in. Wow. So. Yeah, that's not easy to say, though, is it? No. Because <laughs> we won't share any details, but Stacy is in a fight right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm. We're talking to you at maybe another one of the most hurtful times of your life, right? Definitely yeah. the most fearful. Yeah, the mm -hmm. most fearful. definitely the most fear. And again, and like not. not you don't want to live in fear and that's not what God has called us to. And, um, you know, uh, was, and actually, um, maybe I was doing it just as much for myself as I was for him, but I had written out, um, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. And I, um, wrapped a little gift, wrapped it in a little gift for my, son and gave it to him hmm. and um like a month later i noticed that he had shoved it in the case of his phone so that he could wow. keep it with him all the time um that has been a, another thing to over it like stop don't be reactive stop panicking god's in control don't always understand it but um i do think and I've shared this with you. I think that there's a sea change coming in our world mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And what I was excited that? to see Asbury. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So what does your day-to-day -day fight look like now as opposed to before a couple years ago? I'm just more calm. Like, I think you, I've come to a place where I, you have I don't see peace and contentment as the same thing anymore. Mm -hmm. I am peaceful. I'm not content. Mm -hmm. um, I continue to fight my fights. I have the perception that I, on some level, will never be content here because I was never, we are never designed to be here forever. Mm -hmm. So this is not our place and we're never going to be totally satisfied with what we have on in front of us on this earth so i'm peaceful about what i'm doing discontent and continue to fight <laughs> yeah yeah and you know i do agree something's happening you know this world especially our, our western american culture has become just out of control in all, every way and i think mm -hmm. there's people who are looking around going wait a minute 
you know, this, yeah. this doesn't make sense. This is wrong is, you know, whatever my view may be, what you're saying is wrong and normal, you know, or is right and right and wrong. And what's normal isn't right and wrong and normal. And there's eyes are going, there have to be some lines drawn. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went to go see the movie, The Jesus Revolution. I don't know if you saw it yet, but you know it's the story about the movement among the hippies in the 70s and the Jesus movement. <laughs> but what it was is they had left church, they had left government, and they were seeking truth. That's all they wanted was they wanted truth. And they tried to find it in drugs. It didn't work. They tried to find it in meditation. It didn't work. They tried to find it in rock music. It didn't happen. But what happened was ultimately they found really the source of truth and i think you see that's kind of what you're saying in this broken world people are looking for substantive truth to to rest on Mm -hmm. and i look at your story and your testimony if you take jesus out of this equation and he wasn't there for you during this time i don't think i would be talking to you right now no i think i would have a drinking problem like somewhere (laughs) else yeah. yeah, but that's what I was meeting with a the fourteen year old the other day, and I said, "Tell me about your friends at school. Tell me about what they think about Christianity. Like, do they know you go to church?" And she's like, "No." I said, "What do you think they would say? What questions would they have? Kids that have no experience of church that just see what they see on the media of God or Jesus, or if they see it at all." And she said, "They just want answers. Mm. They just don't know what truth is. They don't know where to go." because they don't have a source of truth anymore. So they have to kind of figure out for themselves. And that's overwhelmingly um, overwhelming. <laughs> like there's no, <laughs> there's no other way to describe it because they're just lost. Yeah. I think I'm noticing that a little bit in my teenage son where he just finds so many things that are presented to him to be empty. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to church on Sunday and he, we got in the car and he goes, church is so refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's great wow and that's probably part of your healing too isn't it yeah <laughs> i mean to have your son have such an interest in spiritual things he's kind of reminds me of a girl that i knew a long time ago. <laughs> just to have that that warmth and vibrancy about spiritual things you know that he would put that wrapper in his phone i mean yeah he mom. certainly doesn't know like you know, and I, this is part of my grief is is that I was too wrapped up in my own issues and grief and problems to to teach him all of this stuff that I should have taught him. So I yeah. regret like getting him started so late um, in all of that education, but he's interested now, so. Well, That's and you know, thing. even though you weren't verbalizing it, which you kind of regret now, he still saw his mom. Yeah. He saw, he saw the strength there and you always loved him, you know, and you are a committed, you know, mom and mother and wife and all those things, you know, and I think maybe you guys are going to enjoy this spiritual renaissance together, you know, you know, mm-hmm. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says those that's those that are saved will stand until the end. Okay. And perseverance is a very underrated characteristic of Christians. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, sometimes what God does is he has you fight your entire life just to get through to the end and st- to stand. And I think, you know, if that's the example you gave to your son, that's an awesome gift to give much better than that, you know, he's singing choruses and has, you know, comic book <laughs> Jesus on him and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm going to continue to pray, you know, that your son actually grows up to have the same vibrant faith that his mom did, you know, when she was that age, because he's how old now? 15. Fif- ah, see, there you go. He's getting ready to enter into that. <laughs> so, well, Stace, um, one of the things- I wish I could send him to England with you. <laughs> yeah, well, Hey, we're talking about that going back to England. Answer a lot of year. questions for him. <laughs> we're talking about going back to England, so hopefully oh, so everything fun. in your life will be straightened out, and you can help me lead the team. So <laughs> that would be great. Um, you want to share that? We yeah we um every interview we do in every episode we've been going through the attributes of God just to kind of put that in there. This solid like this is who God really is. Um, because our view of God and our opinion of God and how we see him can get so totally screwed um, when we go through pain and hurt. 
and so it's just a reassurance so today it's um the attribute of god as holy and it's really short but it's simply god has a perfect moral nature he is sinless and incapable of sin do you want to explain a bit more about that yeah i mean it's again you know we talked about before people fall in love with a god that loves them okay but if they're not aware of god's holiness it's his holiness married to his love that actually creates a beautiful relationship. You know, mm -hmm. he not only loves us, but he wants absolutely what is best for us. You know, and as a person goes through life, if everything is only about how much God loves me and he cares for me and he's going to fix me and he's going to take care of me, but they never ever are concerned with the fact that he hates sin. He hates sin because it offends him, but he hates it also because it damages and hurts us. And so, you know, like when you go through grief like Stacy did or other people with other sources of grief, you know, you can't just come to God with just his loving part. You got to look at his just part. You got to look at his powerful part. You got to look at his all knowing part and even his holy part. And, you know, Stace, I've been with you before in times when we were praying together in the group and God's spirit fell and you could just sense the holiness of God, right? And it's a beautiful thing. And I have to believe those experiences that, you know, we've had in our lives, that's one of the reasons we can't let go of God in these deep crises, because deep down inside, we know, yes, he loves us, but we also know that he is this holy, um, sinless, pure place that we can go to man when you get into the presence of a holy god it is incredible what it can do for your inner self would you agree yeah. with that yep yeah so good <laughs> well, like, if you didn't we would yeah edit because that it's one of those things where you're like oh you can't i mean uh well i can't explain it well i can't you know you can't explain that yeah, there's yeah. just no way to, but if you experience it, it's just like the most tremendous thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like a lot of kids grow up thinking God is this like old dude sat on a cloud, which isn't very powerful at all. No, not at all. It's kind of <laughs> creepy, actually. And that's what I grew up seeing God as. And then I remember it was one of the first times I read through Revelation and I was reading about the throne room and the holy, holy, holy. And um, even in a lot of the Old Testament prophetical books about the eyes on the creatures and like, whoa yeah that's who i'm praying to that's who loves me that's how much power he has in heaven and over the earth i don't only know that he loves me but I, that means i respect him and i wholly <laughs> fear him and oh i just think it's incredible because it gives you this perspective and this comfort like there's not just this random dude in the cloud that's kind of magical that cares about me it's like this massive massive powerful creator mm -hmm. just um, who is in control of the entire universe, who I can trust. And he hates injustice. Yeah. He hates lying. He hates deception, those things that you faced and knowing that there's a God who hates the very things that are torturing this young you know, widow. There's some comfort in that to know that there's someone out there who's got a standard that's much higher than the standard of the world and the, the people and the institutions you're dealing with. Yeah. So, well, Stace, one of the things we do at the end of the program is we ask our guests to pray um, for the people that are listening. And mm -hmm. what we'd like you to do is just have in, have in your mind the picture of you when you were a young widow and all that hurt and difficulty and questioning that you were facing. And if you were tonight to sit with somebody who was in a similar circumstance now, how would you pray for them? Or what would you pray for them? Or what would your advice be to them? So I guess if there's anything you want to say as far as advice, you could do that and then just go ahead and pray and pray for all those that are hurting tonight that have lost people and are facing some of the deep hurt that you have. Okay. Um, I guess I don't really have any advice because I feel like everyone deals with grief in their own way and that might be one of the things that annoyed me about the things that people say like they do the things that they would find comforting so maybe that's the advice don't get upset with people who um don't grieve the same way as you mm -hmm. that's okay. their way of 
of grieving and to see it through that lens that that's that's how they would do it if it were them and they're just trying to help okay. um yeah i guess that's it okay all right well just lead us in a prayer as we uh close out the program thanks god for this time it's refreshing to be with old friends and meet new ones um it's kind of hard to think back and imagine being in that situation again. And um, I don't like imagining it happening to someone else, um, but surely it is somewhere. So um, for those people who are experiencing loss, um, especially too young, um, just give them peace, um, help them be aware of their spiritual surroundings, help them be on guard and see clear-eyed what's really happening to them. Okay. Give them a great vision for where they are, the place in their lives that they are, and the place in eternity that they are at that moment. And it's only a speck. And bless them. Anyone going through this sort of thing, just bless them. Amen. Amen. Well, Stace, it's always good to see you. When the weather gets uh, nice, uh, we'll come out. May I bring the Brits with me? They have two little British babies. Yeah. Oh, they do. They're, we're out. We're an outdoor family, so they would love it. Great. They keep asking me if we can have a garden, but we've only been here a year and we haven't got that yet. So they'll throw on their wellies. <laughs> and, uh, come out and visit Stace, and uh, you can pull some weeds here. I got enough yeah. of that. <laughs> you got plenty to do for our for our true American listeners and followers. Wellies are rain boots. Yes, yes. I have to I have to add that in there. Yes. You, um, want, you want to give the little closing tag? Yes. About... Um. So if you're following on on YouTube, hey, um, make sure you subscribe and like the video. And if not, if you're listening. Go ahead over to Facebook and Instagram and make sure you're following us. If you want to message us, if you want to talk about what we've talked about today, uh, we are here and we would love to talk with you. So don't feel like you have to grieve alone if you don't have anyone around you right now. We are here and we would love to talk and pray. So we'll see you on the next episode. Great. Goodbye. God bless. Take care. Bye. 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 <laughs>